podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The match that had it all, this was an old-fashioned, weather-affected, noisy, ferocious derby where both teams responded to everything that their supporters gave them. It had hard tackles, bite, moments of genius, a freak goal, raucous celebrations, absolutely the lot. Leeds against Manchester United really delivered and how we've yearned for a fixture like this for decades of it being away in the Premier League. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. As always, we're going for a whistle-stop tour through the last few days at United um, because Jack I'd, I'd love to really revel in this game as if it were a steaming hot bath by candlelight but we're squeezing this in quickly because I need to pack before an outrageously early flight to Spain tomorrow for United's away game against Atletico Madrid so we've got 15 minutes to explain just how brilliant that was where do you want to start? Well I mean based on how many of these big wins we're having against Leeds at the moment we'll probably have another one to celebrate in a few <laughs> months so having to rush this one probably isn't too no, much if they're not worry. in the Premier League Well true yeah exactly we need to need some help from other teams to get us to six points every season yeah. I think I think we should start really with just the, the overall performance I thought we were really impressive for most of the game other than that sort of crazy 10 minutes around their Leeds scoring both of their goals obviously but I thought for the rest of the game we did really well it was it was the type of game where I think everything was set up to equalise two teams that were on paper yeah. very unmatched. You had the weather, which is always a good equaliser. You obviously had it being at Ellen Road with the crowd up. First time United have been at Ellen Road in the league with fans there in you know 20 years. So everything was sort of set up for this to be a game that we could struggle in. And I thought we dealt with the early storm well. I didn't. I don't think we, we dominated the game to begin with, but I thought we did enough. We showed that we were ready for the fight that was obviously going to yeah. come from Leeds. I thought we grew into the game, became dominant towards the back end of the second half, capitalised on that obviously with the two goals. And then as I mentioned, you know, the sort of 10 minutes around Leeds two goals weren't great, but I thought we recovered really well. And the way we saw out the game with getting the, the fourth goal, I thought was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, as you say, the, the factors were there to equalise it. I haven't seen Premier League game or Champions League game or any game at this level so affected by weather for years. Yeah. Years. The, the way that the ball kind of got caught in the surface in the second half, particularly when, and, and Harry Maguire mentioned this um, post-match, particularly in our half in the second half, the defenders were coming out with the ball and it was just kind of getting stuck behind them. It was like the old FIFA glitches where your player would carry on running and the ball would just yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was especially funny watching Wan-Bissaka try to dribble because the ball already gets stuck <laughs> under Wan-Bissaka's feet quite a lot when he dribbles anyway. Yeah. And he was literally having to like fall over to try and dribble the ball because it was getting stopped in the water. Yeah, so and then you'd, like, you'd see people punt it in front of them really hard and it would look like it was a massive overkick and then suddenly it would stop and, and be perfect. And uh, Maguire especially changed his passing completely. There was a couple where he absolutely thundered it into uh, his teammates. He started passing not on the ground, but in the air. I noticed. Um, and you just don't see Premier League games like that. This pitch was really heavy. The ball got heavy and it, it, it made for a proper modern Premier League classic. As I say, had that old fashioned feel to it. And I can't remember who tweeted it. One of the regular journalists, maybe Mark Ogden, who said two of the most forward thinking managers in, in the league. And this looks like a game that could have been played in 1976. And it had an element of truth to it. And it made for a brilliant spectacle for the neutral, for Leeds fans, even though they lost. And, and, and certainly for us, it's one of those amazing kind of 
feelings just a warm it'll be one of those games where it leaves you kind of with that warm glow to everything in life for the next few days there's a, there's a certain number of podcasts a season very few normally normally just one where I'll crack open a beer before we start recording just to save you the moment and this is one of them yeah absolutely it's it's going to be a game I think that lives a long time in the memory because it was such a roller coaster you know as much as you know, some of United's most dominant performances through the years are so satisfying. I think the ones that we remember the most are when it's fighting through adversity. It's when the, it, the game is a bit up and down and there are times when you just don't know how it's going to play out. And I, I, I was sort of lured into the trap at half time of thinking that this game was pretty much won, which was probably my own, my own downfall <laughs> in thinking that this United team were ever going to make anything simple. Yeah. But then Leeds obviously coming back, I think, was it 24 seconds in play between the two yeah. goals for Leeds, which was, I mean, it was just calamitous to concede those two goals. The, I mean, talk about conditions as well. You know, that was, yeah. I think the wind was a massive part in Rodrigo's goal. And it just, it put the game into such a knife edge. And I thought we did really well to react to it. It is, it is one, I think, that it, it, it will go down, I think, as one of the most iconic games from this season, just because it seemed to... There are some games that seem to almost encapsulate everything that's great about the Premier League. Because it does, just, obviously, I'm not claiming that I've watched as much of any other league as I do of the Premier League, but it does just seem like the Premier League produces these types of games way more frequently than most other leagues do. And this is one of them, I think, that sort of encapsulates what is so great about the Premier League, just how tight so many of the games are, how chaotic they can be, but when with moments of quality that sort of shine through. And I, I thought it was great. It was definitely one of the most memorable games in recent years for United because of not just the way that the actual game went, but the whole occasion and what it meant to both sets of fans as well. Yeah. And look, the truth is we should obviously beat Leeds. We have one of the most expensively assembled squads of all time. We have not just 11 great players, but more than that. And a a select smattering of world-class players as well. We should obviously beat Leeds and they're not very good at the moment. They've got injuries, but as you mentioned earlier, this game is is different. There is the febrile atmosphere of Ellen Road that these players hadn't encountered before. And I'm sure they, they would have been buzzing off winning in that atmosphere. There was the weather. And so credit to, to both the players and, and to Ranić. We'll get on to Ranić in a second, but the players first, they, they stood up to the challenge. And how often have we been able to say that? Because they, they properly proved doubters wrong and, and doubters, which included, I think, us and, and most United fans, right? And rightly so as well. They've, they have given reason to doubt over the last few months. But I was chatting before to a mate and he said, how many of these players can you rely on not to bottle it? And the answer was, well, not many, but the answer now is, well, all of them. They didn't just not bottle it. They, they properly stood up to the challenge. They, they played well in difficult conditions. And not just played well in the first half, but came, survived the the kind of 24-second storm, as you say. And I think Ralph Rennick said after, it took about five minutes to to calm down after conceding two. But after that, it, yeah, the game felt like it was on a knife edge and you had that. I haven't had that really sick feeling in my stomach for a long, long time that I had in that second half, even when we were 3-2 up. But United did control the second half for the for the main part, despite the nerves that everyone had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, after we did kind of recover from the shock of conceding those two goals, I thought actually we did a really, really good job of controlling the game, of regaining the dominance that we had at the end of the first half 
but also, you know, managing to play through the conditions and actually still create a few chances in that because it, it was, it, I think it, I was yeah. expecting once the conditions got like that, once Leeds equalised for this game just to become a complete scrap and basically with no quality on show. So both teams relying on having to just play the ball through the air almost constantly to, to overcome the conditions. And it was a little bit like that for about 10 or 15 minutes after Leeds' second goal. There was there was just periods of play where it just felt like it was tackle, 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 tackle. Yeah, you know, it was. was. I haven't seen play anything like that for ages. No. And and to be fair, that that's a, a test of United because that has been something that's been questioned of us recently. Is you know how do we react when things don't go our way? We've mentioned that you know we've given up some leads in recent times. Leads L E A D, not L E E D, as we're yeah. as we're discussing now. Um, and you know it, it was something we needed to react to. I thought McTominay, who maybe was a little bit lucky not to get sent off for the amount of fouls he committed during the game, but I thought he was the epitome of what Man United needed in this game, which was the character to get stuck into this game and just sort of prove that you're up for the fight. I think that is an overrated you know, thing that gets talked about sometimes, but there are games where that is a prerequisite to being successful. You have yeah. to be able to come in and be ready for a fight. And especially in a, in a rivalry game like we had against Leeds, when there are fans in the stadium, the place is rocking. And especially when they have the, their tails up after scoring two goals like they did, that is the exact moment where you have to dig in and show the character that you have. McTominay, I think, epitomised that. And it wasn't just him, but he was sort of the driving force, I thought, in midfield. And when we did get into that period where it was just tackles flying in everywhere, McTominay was not found wanting at all. Absolutely. Yeah, perhaps a little lucky to still be on the pitch, but the style of refereeing kind of led to that. I think it was a yeah. I thought Paul Tierney was lenient throughout, and that's fine. He was consistent. Well, yeah, he was lenient throughout, but I also felt often lost control. The frequency of fouls kept going up and up because he was never booking anyone, and it led at points to yeah. there were kind of two or three minute spells where he thought he's this game's getting ruined at the moment because nothing can progress at all because people are just fouling and fouling. Yeah. And also he had that thing that Stuart Atwell had in the Southampton game where he kept kind of waiting pausing to make decisions and then making the decision and not and kind of seeming to reach for his pocket and then decide not to and you just thought you can't be this indecisive in a game like this um, but yeah let's focus on the players McTominay got stuck in as we would all expect him to uh, he's exactly yeah. the kind of player who would love these games but let's put the emphasis on first on Paul Pogba let's start with the first half Paul Pogba and Wan-Bissaka in that first half Wan-Bissaka was a surprise inclusion in the team and we'll come on to that, but did brilliantly, really well. Uh, defensively and offered a bit in attack. Pobble was just outstanding. Properly, properly good first half midfield display for him. Yeah, I thought Pogba was unbelievably good in the first half. And to be fair to Pogba, not only was he great, but he was playing so well in a game that you would say it is the the easy criticism against Pogba has been that in these types of games, he doesn't show up when you do need to show a bit of character and toughness. And as much as I said that McTominay is the type of player that's sort of synonymous with those games, Paul Pogba, the criticism of him has been very much the opposite. And he stood tall in that first half. He was really, really at the heart of everything good that United was doing. He was... I mean, just the way he manoeuvres the ball past people is sublime to watch. And against a team like Leeds that does man-mark everyone throughout the entire game, you know, it, it is made for Pogba tactically the way that Leeds play because he can beat a man so, so easily. You know, he gets into trouble 
when teams sort of crowd him out and he tries to beat one man and there's two or three others straight on him. But when it is just one-on-one, I mean, just the simplicity of how he got past (laughs) Forshaw to set up the, the, what should have been a goal for Ronaldo in the first half. He just walked past him as if he's not even there. He wasn't even particularly, didn't really, you know, pull out any type of skill that we know Pogba has. It's literally just shifting the ball onto the left foot. But the, the ease and the speed that he does it at just absolutely glides past him. I thought it was brilliant. And it was, it's just been, it's been fun to watch him, to be honest. And that, that, that's a word that I've, I'm becoming used to saying about this United team at the moment, because yeah. we have some fun players and we're putting in some fun performances. And Pogba is, you know, a very much a part of that. Yeah. And talk about fun. Jaden Sancho just getting better every week. Yeah. I thought he had, he had, so, he had quiet moments, quiet spells in the game. But the two, he really, there, there was probably a 10 or 15 minute spell in the first half where he really controlled, not controlled things in terms of controlling possession or controlling the tempo of the game, but dominated things, I guess you could say, in terms of how many chances he was creating and how involved he was in United's attacks. And then that last 20 minutes where Leeds were getting tired, you could see it in their legs, the ball was catching in the pitch. The person you want in that scenario is someone with just incredible ball control and this manipulation of the ball and his body to send people flying the wrong way. And no matter what the conditions are to managing that. And Jaden Sancho was that person. He just tore them apart in the, in, apart in the last 20 minutes. Um, it, it was, yeah, again, yeah. For fun to watch and, um, to assist for him and, and what he deserves in terms of numbers. Cause he's often putting in good performances that aren't then matched with a goal or assist. And I know he'll be, he personally does focus on those goal and assist numbers because he uses them as, as targets. So I'm sure he'll be delighted with that. And, and also. As you mentioned he, as well, it was, it was odd that he literally, I don't, he barely even had a touch of the ball in the first 15 minutes. I remember thinking we get, I think it was like 17 minutes or so. And I remember thinking, oh, Sancho's not even been involved yet. Yeah. And yet, despite that, and that, that, that's not a criticism. I don't think he did anything wrong. The game just wasn't being played in his part of the pitch. But then despite that, the other 75 minutes, he was astonishingly good. Yeah. Yeah. Most passes in the final third, most touches in the opposition box, second most successful takeoffs, most chances created, two assists, uh, most progressive actions. And another really important one, recovered possession on nine occasions. Wow. Uh, only Luke Shaw and Aaron Basaka did that more than him. And that shows how important he is to this kind of Rannick style of play. As Rannick said, he fits this style perfectly. He probably fits his style better than kind of any other player in the team, yeah. to be fair. He is, he's, and it, and that makes sense because Rannick tried to sign him when he was 17 at, at RB Leipzig. So it makes complete sense. Um, we better rattle through another couple of players. Bruno Fernandes, great further forward. That flick, just sublime. Sublime. Outrageous. Yeah. We, we don't need to put any words to that. I'm just going to be watching it on repeat again and again. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. I mean, the, the fact the defender got out of touch made it slightly less perfect. Um, but this was a game where perfection was not necessary. It was a game where kind of the off the I mean, cuff even, things were Even great. just the audacity to, yeah, to try yeah. that. Like the audacity to even try that at yeah. the 88th minute of a game you're winning by one goal. That came, what I loved about that goal is that, that that came after a sequence of, I don't know how many passes, but we kept the ball for about a minute in leading up to that. We just popping the ball around, seeing out the game beautifully. And you're thinking, just keep the ball, you know, just run out the clock. Fernandez yeah. is like, nope, I'm going to flick it over, over the defender's head in a Burkamp kind of flick. Uh, yeah, just to even try that is ridiculous. For it to come off is unbelievable. Yeah. And then Anthony Langer scores the fourth. Great kind of a great arc to that story of, um, 
a big miss from him that it could have been a great goal where he really, really should have scored. Then in the celebrations for Fred's goal, gets hit by a coin, then scores his own goal, makes up for the earlier miss, points to the badge, celebrates in front of the United fans. fans. Yeah. Shushes the lead fans, just, yeah. Yeah, brilliant for him as well. Uh, Harry Maguire scores a header from a corner. Absolutely brilliant. Victor Lindoff, his centre-back partner, drove forward brilliantly for uh, one of the goal and for another couple of chances. And then Varane came on and, and did well. Quite a hard environment in which to come on in um, and did well. And that maybe brings us to Ranić. He absolutely bossed that. I mean, yeah. the changes to the starting eleven were surprising. Jesse Lingard in, Wan-Bissaka in, Pogba back in. And then he made completely the right changes, which again, not only the starting eleven kind of was surprising, then the changes he made in the game were surprising and both were absolutely spot on. Yeah, they were. It says a lot about why I'm sat in my living room doing a podcast with a few thousand people <laughs> and Ranić is managing one of the biggest teams in the world because I was very critical of Ranić when he made the subs. You know, I and, I and I still stand by the fact that I don't think taking Pogba off was the right decision. The process that he came to that, I don't really get. I understand that Fred's style maybe worked, but, you know, Pogba had been maybe our best player up to that point. But you got to hand it to him. You know, both both subs score the goals that get us the win. And I th- yeah, yeah. It, it, it works beautifully. And it's been a something that we've talked about that Ranić subs haven't always made the most sense since he's come to United. But these ones, you know, the outcome of them is, is perfect. And I think Fred coming on made a lot of sense in the game that was becoming very stretched. And Fred just brings that energy and his runs forward do complement so well with Sancho. Yeah. I mentioned it in the last episode that him and Sancho's understanding is is really starting to blossom. Yeah, I was. I mean, I I, th- I thought we needed an extra body midfield because it was starting to get way too open and people were committing, and then there was loads of a huge amount of space. I was surprised Popper came off, but I think I mean we mentioned a few weeks ago that Ranić just needs to learn more about these players and get used to making those subs yeah. again. And in fairness, there was I can't remember whether it was. Uh, maybe the Southampton game where Pogba bossed it first half and then tied in the second half. I think he, I think Pogba stayed on about 10 minutes too long in that game. And I think Randy learned from that. He was also getting more heavily marked in the second half than the first. He was much less influential. So I, I kind of understood. I think he was, Randy was both learning from the Saints game or whichever game it was, I can't remember, but also just adjusting to what Leeds had done. And I, in the end, yeah, I, I think it really paid off. I think it was a, a great decision. Um, yeah. I just, I expected, I thought Fred coming on was the right decision. It was absolutely a game that suited Fred down to the ground. I expected it to be Lingard off, Sancho to the right, Pogba to the left and Fred on in midfield. Obviously he brought Alanga on instead. But listen, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and complain yeah. about the subs that they made when both of them came on yeah. and scored. Um, who else do we need to mention? I mean, we mentioned Bruno's flick, but also goals in successive games for him for the first time this season which happened yeah. all the time last season, obviously. But the last time he did that was 364 days ago Wow! against Newcastle, having just scored uh, two against Real Sociedad in the Europa League. So just and under think, a year ago his, that he last did that. His general involvement has been much, much better recently as well. I think he's really starting to grow into the role that the role that he now has in Randnick's team. I think the switch to the 4-3-3 has really helped him playing in a bit more of a withdrawn number eight role, which I think has helped him to stay more connected to the midfield. But then you also saw, as we saw for the fourth goal, once Ronaldo came off, he still has that ability to play further forward. And when he does, he's still so dangerous. So I think 
the signs of, of getting much, much better for Bruno. I think it's further forward where he's really making the impact and, and so obviously making the impact because that's where the goals are, but actually showing his quality. It's, it's in those deep areas where sometimes he's still losing the ball. For example, for Leeds' second goal, yeah, you could argue it's a foul, but I'm, also, I'm not convinced it was, to be fair. Uh, I think it could have gone either way. That does happen yeah, I think with he won the too ball. much. I think, yeah, it, it was hard to tell. He probably won the ball. Um, that's what that's kind of what Bruno does in those deeper areas. And there often gets to a certain point in the game where you think, right, now Bruno Fernandes isn't allowed to touch the ball in our half anymore. Yeah. There's the yeah. risk of that happening. Just give him the ball in the opposition half where he'll do things like that flick over Junior Furpo. Um, I, th- I think he's also, he's also a much better player again with the talent of Pogba and Sancho around yeah, him. 100%. With Pogba creating a lot and with him being able to run off Sancho and also having players run off him as well, which isn't something Ronaldo does to a huge degree, but it certainly is something that Anthony Alanga does, for and, example. And also having other players in the team that can share the, the responsibility of being creators for us. Like we talked a while ago, didn't we, that yeah. when Ranić first started, we'd often have like three or four finishers on the pitch and Bruno would be the only creator. And having the guys like yeah. Sancho and Pogba in particular, who are much more creators than, than finishers, it means that I think it... I don't. I do think it impacts how Bruno approaches a game because it, I think it means he does keep things more simple. He does link up better with the teammates around him because he doesn't feel like he has to do all of the creating himself and then rely on the finishers to actually finish the chances. I think it it really helps him become more integrated into the system around him rather than being this sort of unicorn play, unicorn of a player sort of playing hero ball as we've seen so often yeah. in his Man United career. Yeah. I think Sancho and Pogba coming in playing well has such an impact on him. Yeah. Okay. We should wrap up in a second. Well, I wish we didn't have to but I do need to pack. Uh, Atleti on Wednesday night um, 8pm UK time I think. It'll probably be a nil-nil after all of this excitement won't it? <laughs> Well, I mean, and we have every incentive to go for a nil-nil now since UEFA have got rid of the uh, the away goals rule as well. Nil-nil nil would be, a, I think, a good result for, for United. Well, maybe not a good result, but certainly one that you'd take anyway. You know, I, 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 again, I'm not going to pretend like I watch that much of La Liga, but, I, you know, Atletico really aren't setting the world alight. I think this this is a game that I think looks worse on paper for United than it actually is. I, I, I would put us as favourites going into it, whereas on paper, maybe I'd see it as maybe 50-50. You know, they, they still are a dangerous Atletico, but I think as long as we're able to, I think early on in the game is going to be tough and they're going to probably start fast. And they also might allow us to have a lot of the ball and just force us to break them down, which obviously isn't a style that we always play particularly well against. But yeah, over two legs, I back us. But yeah, I, I do think that this first leg is going to be a very, very cagey affair. Yeah. Just to give some uh, insight on their form, they beat Osasuna 3-0 uh, on Saturday. That was the first time they'd kept a clean sheet since the Copa del Rey game in early January uh, against a, a, a much lower team. Um, they are conceded for a side. I mean, they're renowned for their defensive work, but they've conceded 34 goals in the league this season, which is more than anyone in the top. Let me just work this out. Top 11 of La Liga. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> a poor record. On the other hand, they've won on the weekend. That's a big boost for them. Uh, the other big boost is uh, Suarez is back after a small injury, I think. Jao Felix is back after a bit of an injury. I think Griezmann's still missing, but they are welcoming a couple of players back from injury. 
that means they've won three of the last five games, but they lost to Levante, lowly Levante, who I think have won two games all season before their game against Sosasuna. So, I mean, they're, they're an inconsistent side in the same way United are. And in the same way United are, they're conceding a lot uh, unnecessarily. They're probably scoring a bit more than United are at the moment. The three games ago, they lost fourth. They beat Hetafe 4-3 the game before that. They lost to Barcelona 4-2 the game before that. They beat Valencia 3-2. So maybe we shouldn't be predicting nil-nil. Um, but yeah, let's see. Anyway, I'm very much looking forward to this time tomorrow. I'll be sipping Estrella in Madrid. So we better wrap up. Yeah, I'm very jealous, mate. Hopefully come back with smiles on your face to go with the hangovers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly be going with smiles on their faces after that win against Leeds. For the reaction from Jack and I to the Atleti game, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At U-T-D-T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. No doubt I'll be posting some photos from hopefully a very sunny Madrid and the podcast itself is at UTD Weekly Pod that's P-O-D at the end there thank you to our patrons as always for your support thank you to you for listening have a great week goodbye Podcast Network.